Welcome to another edition of Culture Class Podcast, uh, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds, get to learn about other parts of the world and what's going on with other cultures. Today, I have my friend on the podcast. Uh, believe it or not, this is his real name. Welcome to the podcast, Jack Foster. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> it's rare that you get to have someone that has a generic nickname literally pick out of the white person, Catholic, <laughs> with the boy <laughs> name. But wow, no, uh, Jack Foster, not exactly the most original, but I like it all the same. Yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like a superhero, like Johnny Quest, Jack Ryan, well, and, and, that kind of thing. And to make matters worse, uh, my legal name is John Foster, which doesn't oh, really help at all. <laughs> and then there's also the whole thing of like the fact that like Jack is a really common nickname for John, even though, you know, as far as like length of the name. Oh, wait, so no your, your nickname is Jack. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. But it's one of those things, so um, it's actually a really common thing for people who are named Jack to actually be named John. Yeah. But uh, the issue is is that there haven't been a ton of super famous people who have that sort of thing going on, so a lot of people don't know it's a thing. I actually thought Jack was your middle name. Oh, like no. Jack John, because your email is, well, let me not say your email <laughs> out loud, but I thought your, your name was Jack John Foster. getting doxxed right on the Exactly. Yeah, no, I was going to say, uh, yeah, so, but... Pretty much uh, the only famous example that I know normally that you have for Jack and John is that you have like JFK, like President mm. JFK yeah. was um, John F. Kennedy, but he went by Jack Kennedy really often in like newspapers and things like that. Yeah. But um, the issue is, is that I have never once successfully been able to explain that to somebody without it sounding like a humble brag. <laughs> because, hey, man. <laughs> I, like, even some people are like, oh, look, you're comparing yourself to JFK. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not like that. It's just the only example I can think of. That's like common knowledge. So, right. but you know, I think I don't think Jack Nicholson is the same case. He might be, but maybe but, you know, who's to say? Who knows? Maybe maybe you want to name your kid uh, like uh, James Foster just to keep it in the family. No, no, you gotta. <laughs> for me, honestly, going uh, super crazy with it feels more right, so that I, my kids can have a different life than I have had. <laughs> so a different life. You talk about it like well, it's been a burden. <laughs> oh well. So let me just let me just start off my okay. nuclear family. So. I am the oldest brother out of all of my siblings, but I do have an elder sister. So it's like one girl and then three boys back to back to back. Okay. Much to her dismay. Yeah. Because she she wanted a sister so bad, and then we kept coming out one after another. And apparently, I think on the second boy, she like she cried when my <laughs> mom came over with my brother, and she was like, "I wanted a sister." And by the time the third brother rolled around, she just there was just apathy. This total apathy of like I gave up. I figured it was never gonna happen. Oh goodness! So yeah, are you guys like boys? Boys? You guys got into fights and stuff? Well, some. So the whole age gap between all of us. So total, we are spread ten years apart from youngest sibling to oldest sibling. Mm. Uh, my older sister is only like two years my senior. Okay, and there's me, and then all of the boys are four years apart. Mm. Like so, we basically really have, close. Yeah, so we have, and, but like not so close that you're like sharing peers. I mean, all of you can be in high school at the same time. Well, so that's the thing is that actually we all had it where as soon as one of us would leave a four year school, mm. the next one would come into school. Got it. So it'd be something where, in fact, um, the same high school that I went to is the one that my youngest brother is finishing up right now, and so it's been a case where I just now I'm. 24 years old. I just finished grad school a little while ago. Mm. But whenever I finished high school at my high school, my middle brother went to high school the following year. Got so it. my professors were like, oh, I could have sworn we got rid of this kid, but I guess <laughs> he's here. We all look kind of similar. And then he finally got <laughs> to his senior year, and they're like, all right, this is going to be the one. It, that's either so. 
Were you a troublemaker in high school? What, what not was not a doing? troublemaker, but just I was out there. I was a very out there kid. I was very outspoken. Okay, and, and your brother has to walk in we, your shadows now. <laughs> well, I mean, no, honestly, the brother after me left a massive shadow. He's like one of those kids who, like, we're all we're all very smart. But he is like one of those kids where he just he's on it just like from the get go. And he also has that combined with very good social skill. Yeah. So he was like the kid where, you know, how in every family you have like the one sibling who's like, they're going to be the one to go to like super nice Ivy League schools if they ever wanted to. They're going to mm-hmm. like run for office one day. Like they're going to be crazy smart and do amazing things. Oh, maybe Jack. Jack Kennedy is not far off that. <laughs> <laughs> well, except it won't be me. It'll be that middle brother is going to be the one who takes the spotlight if he ever had the desire to. But okay, yeah, no, it's uh, basically uh, so we had of course us three brothers back to back to back, and um, by the time that the third brother came around, I'm pretty sure that my teachers either think that there must have been multiple siblings from the same family here, or yeah, here's the the interesting possibility. That they maybe think that it's like a Benjamin Button situation. That's always Asian backwards. <laughs> Where it's just the same kid who keeps coming back. You guys Asian look backwards. that alike. Like, what's the. Uh, I mean, so I'll, it's. Maybe after the podcast, I'll like, you show me a couple of pictures. Well, I'll see. and honestly, to make matters worse, we also all look like my dad. Like, it's very obvious where most of the genes came from. Okay. And I remember there was one point we were at an IHOP, and I think it was back when I was in high school. And we're all, my mom's out of town, and my sister's out of town. So we're going out for dinner. And it's just us forcing around a table. Mm. And I remember there was one point where I just like I got this like feeling, you know, that feeling where like I'm like someone's looking at me, and uh-huh. you just kind of like feel it like in the back of your head. Yeah. And I like glance, I kind of like glance around, and there's this like one like kid I want us like a middle school girl, just like glancing over, and we're all just like kind of turn at the same time and like look at her, and I'm like, oh, that's got to be a harrowing experience where it looks like the same guy meeting with his like future and past self oh. all at one table. Do you guys go out to drink together? Like oh, with your well, dad? We're not all legally able to drink. Oh, your youngest we, brother. Yeah, so, say, the youngest so brother hasn't made it yet, but oh, yeah. the rest of us all can. And yeah, that'll be fun. Like, Well, the thing is that also it, it would be fun had my dad has, I think he doesn't like drink super often. He drinks like a beer now and then. Yeah. But his tolerance Ooh, it's paper thin. It I mean, is. It's called, it's called having a family, man. Wait till you have three three boys <laughs> and a girl. At that point, <laughs> the tolerance mostly goes because it's been worn down. After yeah, I mean, you, you stop drinking. Years. You don't drink every day. You don't go out as much. So obviously, your tolerance level will just come down. Well, at that point, it's your body just going like, is this like a mental break from yeah, having kids? And so it clings onto every drop and gets the most it can out of it. It's a, Which is good because you don't have to spend a lot on beer like, like you uh, do I mean, now. Yeah, being a cheap date is honestly like a lot of people will like make fun of you for being like oh well like you're such a lightweight and i'm like you know honestly at the end of the day let's take a look at how much we spent on our drinks for the night i go home and i'm like oh well that's like you know it's a little bit of like money but i'll just spend a little less this week and i have some friends who will go out and they go home and they're like i can't go out for the next three weeks because i blew through all that cash in one night oh that's fair that's mm -hmm. fair Fun fact, like when when you came in uh, to record today, like you immediately you just stepped in through the door and like went straight for the hand sanitizer. I know I know you work in health. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> and we're recording at a very peculiar time where we have COVID nineteen all over the place. I think that they're starting to cancel events in Colorado now. Like um, everyone is moving differently now. Kinda. I was gonna say I don't know if you actually have seen the news about it yet, but um, Jared Polis officially declared a state of emergency. Oh, he did. So it's that was today. Really. 
pretty Why, sure. I, something tells me like these public officials are using it as a like publicity stunt. Because New York was understandable. Because New York, New York had been had the coronavirus before the coronavirus. It's such right. a filthy city. So shout out to everyone listening <laughs> from New York. Say, I'm sure all the New Yorkers are gonna love that. Shout so. out to everyone listening from New York, by the way. But um, I could understand who else declared a state of emergency. Washington State, I think. I think oh, so. Well, so here's the thing. So Washington State, I'm pretty sure that they did, but I will say out of states that have been affected, Washington had every reason to. Yeah, they did. They, they were one of the first ones to really get slammed by it, at yeah. least the heaviest of everybody else. And, okay, so just in, to preface, I know that coronavirus is one of those things where there's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of confusion about how dangerous it actually is. And the thing is, is that I see a lot of people who are swinging too far one way and saying, Oh my God! It's going to be the end of the world, and they're the people who are buying the massive quantities of toilet paper yeah. <laughs> to the King Supers and just totally decimate the aisle. Yeah. Or you have the people on the other end who are going, "Oh, it's harmless. It's not a big deal if you catch it." And the thing is, is that just operate with caution. Well, and you got to be somewhere in the middle because, you know, just this is you know for anyone who's doesn't know what what day this came out because is this is this live? Does this come out the same day? No. So recorded? this will come out like in a week. Okay, so just for everyone's information, just to kind of get some idea, if you're curious, it's March 10th today. So um, as of today, I'm pretty sure that the amount of like infant deaths from COVID-19 are like almost zero. Mm-hmm. Like is apparently a lot of like um, infections usually get the immunocompromised, which you have people who actually have you know uh, conditions that allow them to be more immunocompromised than others. But then you also have really young kids who are usually a little less able to defend themselves, and then really old. Mm-hmm. And currently, this virus is interesting because it's not really getting young kids that badly. It's mm-hmm. still really getting old people. Because I think um, in Italy, part of the reason that they had the pretty high mortality rate yeah. is I think it got into like a nursing home and just spread, spread. Wow. and got a bunch of people. Italy, Italy's case is crazy because I think they shut down the whole country or something mm-hmm. like now like there's zero movement like you really have to like apply and prove that you have you need to leave the country before you're allowed to leave i was hearing on radio right. today which is unheard of like yeah that's no, crazy I, I don't think we've had have we had any disease that did that in the past like restricted movement for a whole country not a city not a state i mean i honestly and this is one of those things where i'm really gonna show my age is that i know that there was stuff with um there was like sars i think there were concerns yeah i know spanish flu is rough from the things that i've heard mm-hmm. but of course you know being as young as i've been and you know it's like one of those things where this one's really kind of been pulled into the public eye like covid19 it has yeah. and there's been some other ones that have, they've been around but they haven't been as actively you know like talked about by a bunch of people and publicized yeah but i do know that I, what i remember growing up was swine flu. Swine yeah. flu was one heck of like a ride because I remember that a lot of people back then I was in middle school when swine flu was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that I had been suspended at the time from school because I got into some trouble <laughs> with the teachers. And one of the conditions of my suspension was that there was a Six Flags trip, like a big, nice roller coaster. Six Flags being like, like a theme park. Yeah, like, a, like exactly place. like a roller coaster theme park pretty yeah. much. And they mm-hmm. have, I think, some like uh, mascots where they have a kind of like Looney Tunes characters. So like, you know, Bugs Bunny, like Daffy Duck, yeah. like those. And part of the conditions of my suspension and me and a couple of my other buddies of mine, because we just were really dumb back then. We were being inflammatory towards teachers. 
Um, <laughs> so you've always been cast in a shadow. <laughs> oh, well, well, I mean, also, to be fair, small private Catholic school, okay. the bar was to trip over was a lot higher than it would be at a public institution. And okay. I know that because I went to public high school in Texas. Okay. So, but um, basically, um, one of the conditions that we had being in trouble was we were not allowed to go on that trip. And we were all super bummed about it. We were really upset. We were just thinking, man, it sucks that all our friends get to go and we don't get to go. Mm -hmm. Swine flu rolls around that year and the trip gets pushed back. Mm. And it was canceled, I think, until or like postponed until they could find a better day to do it. Mm -hmm. So later in the semester, the trip's back on. And they have entirely forgotten that we were in trouble. <laughs> oh, and they just included. So we, they, they just completely nice. forgot, and no one bothered to correct them. And that was a great day. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. I guess you guys had fun in uh, Six yeah. Flags. Yeah, no, it was it was a good time. But um, well, you you work in the health sector, right? Like I do. Is, so, is there anything we sh you know that public doesn't know yet about the disease? Well, or? so let me start with a couple things. So first of all, I am on the business side of healthcare. Oh, yeah. So I'm not someone You work for the evil people. Introducing capitalism well, to healthcare. Well, I was going to say, I think I would be one of those people that people would be less concerned about. I think a lot of uh, when people secure business side of healthcare, mm. a lot of people who get hate for that is more insurance people. Man, insurance people just get attacked by everybody, even like healthcare providers themselves. Because yeah. I mean, I grew up in um. My dad's a doctor; he's a surgeon. Yeah. And I remember growing up, just it was one of those things where he's never outright told me that if I went into insurance, that I would be disowned. But, but there's always that kind of like that feeling but, of like I don't really want to get into that territory. But and you risk know that. You know what? Now that you say, I think about it sometimes because as fucked up as the U.S. health system is, like, mm -hmm. you know, insurance taking advantage of people and, you know, the cost of healthcare skyrocketing. I kind of, like, compare that to, like, a country like in Nigeria, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And, like, we don't have a lot of health insurance. Like, only, like, people who work, like, the best jobs really get health insurance. Like, if you work in the informal sector, you're a businessman, you're most likely not going to have health insurance. And hospitals have been taken advantage of to the point that, you know, if someone goes in, you have to, like, pay cash up front. Right. In some cases, before they even attend to you. So I, I kind of, like, look at it. It's just like the coronavirus You see, thing you said. You know, people are on both extremes. Like, one right. extreme is not having adequate health insurance in some countries that might be considered developing and one and the other extreme is having all those facilities but you know capitalism making it to the point where those facilities are not like accessible right so it's just it's just uh interesting dynamic to think about well and there's like a lot of things that go into that i think so i i will go ahead and say luckily my education was in healthcare administration okay so i do know some about that stuff and yeah. i um my undergraduate uh, program was at St. Louis University, okay. where I had a health management policy degree, and then I got an MBA in health administration. Health so. management policy. So did you do some case studies uh, about the health systems, healthcare systems in different countries, that kind of thing? We did a lot of looking into um, healthcare systems of other countries, and I would say that right now, the U.S. is in this tough spot where I think, I think some of the biggest issues is perception. And I say that mostly because we have heard a lot of stuff about we have countries like Canada. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, yeah, Canada has free healthcare, but have you heard about their wait times? Okay. Mm. I can see why that would seem like a con, but at the same time, for anyone who has that complaint, I would also urge you to go ahead and look at United States wait times <laughs> because we aren't exactly doing great either. 
And then, so we also have those, like, some pretty bad wait times. Maybe not 100% as bad, but comparable, I would say. Yeah. And then you also still get destroyed financially by the U.S. healthcare system. Yep, tell me about it. I mean, people so, are just de- declaring bankruptcy and things uh, yeah. because of healthcare costs. Well, I mean, it's crazy. So, and especially, um, it's one of those things that's kind of like it's a dark humor sort of thing. But um, have you ever heard of uh, college humor before? Yeah, I have. So they had this thing where they had this kind of series where they do the CEOs of these big companies. So they've done ones where they did, um, geez, I think it was ABC Network, like the television network. Okay. They had one for Venmo. They've had one. The Venmo for, CEO, that's the one I ever think about. I was going to say, the, the, <laughs> the best one I think is there's one that is for like Tide, which is around the, the detergent. The, yeah, the whole Tide Pod scandal thing. Okay. So it's basically the guy being the CEO, like, you, look, you got to stop like eating the Tide Pods. Like, it's they're not, soap's not food. Wait, you want to explain what, what went on with the Tide Pods for people listening to this from different countries? Oh, well, we'll, we'll come back to that. But um, I was going to say, well, just as a quick overview. So Tide Pods, basically, Tide Pods are a detergent that you throw in with your clothes in mm-hmm. a washing machine so that you can go ahead and get your clothes cleaned. Very bubbly and, things, yeah. And basically, a Tide Pod is just you have liquid detergent that you pour in from a bottle into a, a washing machine into a washing machine mm-hmm. and a Tide Pod is basically where they have taken the uh, detergent and put it into this kind of like little plastic pod that mm-hmm. instead of pouring in the liquid detergent you drop this pod in instead yep. and then theoretically the like plastic dissolves in the water and so it's a way to kind of make it a little less messy and also to have this like really easily transportable little pocket detergent thing that you can use so um but basically, uh, there was one of these CEO bits by College Humor where it was actually about um, GoFundMe. It was GoFundMe. Okay. And it was talking about, and this is like a real thing, super sad, a bunch of people on GoFundMe that their GoFundMe accounts are for medical bills. A massive portion. Yeah, like a I very crazy thing where it's something where people who don't have insurance or maybe just they had insurance but it wasn't enough to cover their costs mm-hmm. have to do Kickstarters and GoFundMes. And it's just such a bummer. And the thing is that we get to this whole thing where I know that it's difficult for people to wrap their heads around the idea. Well, I guess not to wrap their heads around. It's difficult for people to understand that by having something like a single-payer healthcare network, it's one of those things where, grand scheme of things, you actually end up spending a lot less money as a group of people. And not just as a group of people, but also sometimes you do individually because of the way that kind of, um, what's it called, drips down into other parts of life. So if you mm-hmm. have someone, for example, like, let's say you have mental health care that could be covered by a single-payer health system, mm-hmm. is that you'll have fewer people who are having mental health issues who maybe end up to be homeless or maybe you have someone in your family who has mental health care problems. Mm -hmm. And that's a massive drain on whoever is paying for that. And the thing is that if you're not paying for it through actual health care, you're paying for it through housing for those people. And if they're not being housed, it's being paid for by like the city or by other kind of methods. It's being paid for by someone. And at the point that if they're having health, mental health, that's not being treated is being allowed to fester and get to this really, really bad point, then by that point, the cost of making it better is so much more than if it would have been curtailed before it got really bad. I mean, I can understand for people who have a consistent uh, medical condition that they have to constantly go to the hospital for. Mm -hmm. But how can you explain 
someone working for nine years, 10 years, paying these health insurance premiums that are deducted from his or her salary every month or every two weeks and not having an issue to go to a hospital. And suddenly, you know, nine years down the line, you know, you need health care and you go and your nine years of premiums don't cover it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're totally wiped out and you're forced to declare bankruptcy. And that right. starts to affect your life and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Like, it's crazy, especially for something that you have no control over, like healthcare. You don't control when you get sick, that kind of thing. Well, there's also this whole thing where, and I know that this, in, in the States, there's always this really big struggle where we have, we in the U.S., have very much been raised to have this very individualistic society. Facts. And in some ways... No arguments there. In some ways, that can be a good thing, and that ends up having really good benefits for individual people. The problem is, is that sometimes the ability for the... Whenever the group is damaged, you don't see how it can hurt individual people as easily. Mm. So, like, I guess, like, I think of some cultures... That makes sense. ...where you have, like, this really big... um, communal thing this big yeah community group mm-hmm. and what happens is is if you have the individual society it very becomes a system where i've got mine now you go get yours yeah and it'd be easy to leave it that way except for a lot of times the people who aren't quote-unquote getting theirs mm-hmm. they're being put in this position where they are more than likely to need to maybe seek drastic measures to get their needs met because mm-hmm. just because you maybe quote-unquote haven't earned it or haven't pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. Just because you haven't done those things doesn't mean that those people aren't going to try to want to get food and to get places to sleep. Isn't that where the government comes in, though? Like, uh, the government is supposed to be this person that says, oh, you know what, we have to create an environment to allow capitalism to thrive, but, you know, we still have to make sure that no one is taking too much advantage of the system, whereas at least there should be some form of uniformity to a basic extent for things like healthcare and transportation and things like that. And and that's, I think, the tricky part is that I think that too often whenever we talk about this, there's this whole thing of the government taking care of things, and then there's the whole aspect of people taking care of themselves. Mm. And I think too often what happens in this case is you have people who hear that the government's going to take over more of these things and we're going to fund more of these government efforts do mm. things like taxes. And this whole thing of, uh, especially, and I hate that this is the case, they hear the word socialism and just clench up and think of stuff like Soviet Union and things like that where mm. they maybe tried a form of communism and it didn't go as well and it was a mess. Mm. And the thing is, is that there is this whole spectrum of ways where you can still have a lot of the individualistic aspects and still have a lot of parts of capitalism, but you do, it doesn't. It can't all be that way. You have to find some That's happy medium, exactly, mm-hmm. and find one that is comfortable that disadvantages the smallest amount of people. Okay. And again, and that's not just an argument for trying to be like a bleeding heart and save everybody, mm. but it's also if you're helping the people around you. In the long term, it probably will also end up being better for you as an individual. And that's mm. in cases like, for let's say, education. If people are well-educated, they are more capable of making decisions that will keep themselves healthy. So we need to make sure that as many people as possible are well enough educated to be able to basically take care of themselves. I guess it depends on what you define as education. Like, right. Are you talking about schooling? or? <laughs> I would say generally... And of course, it's one of those things where with education, you can have a lot of different kinds of structured education because I know that there's stuff like there's homeschooling, yeah. there's um, Montessori schools, there are like the public school system, there's like more kind of private schools, and they can all offer this different range of education because they have different priorities as to what they teach you. Yeah. But um, I think generally, 
um, just teaching them things along the lines of, I would say, stuff like um, basic finances, mm. which I would say in the education system is... Which, for the richest country in the world, like, its citizens are doing a shit job at. Well, <laughs> and that's the funny thing, is that it's tragically underrepresented in the education system. Yeah. Like, financial education. I think that's deliberate, <laughs> well, in a way. Well, and that's the sad thing, too, is that, especially um, and on, like, a kind of extreme level, you hear about people who are, like, sports players, you know? Like, yeah. big, like, professional athletes. Yeah. And, they're recruited at 18 out of high school and right and then given a 20 million dollar contract well especially if you come from a background where up until that point maybe if you like didn't have like a lot of opportunities like you maybe grew up in a poorer family or stuff like that mm -hmm. you suddenly are just in an environment where if you are successful a successful professional athlete you're making these massive amounts of money let's talk about some fun stuff <laughs> no i'm i'm more than happy in the fun stuff I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those people that i get fired up about this stuff and just go ham on it so yeah got it, got but it. i will say um as i guess like since it's relevant now i just saw that apparently coachella has been postponed yeah correct. coachella i thought coachella held in the summer i think coachella hold in the summer do you like that might be the case because i can remember this whole thing with brenna boy who is like an afrobeats artist uh I think that was two summers ago, if I, if I can remember correctly. Might be, yeah. I was going to say, because the ones that I'm most familiar with is that I'm from Austin, Texas, originally, is there's an Austin City Limit, which happens in, like, around October, like, November. Yeah. And then we have South by Southwest, yeah. which just got canceled. Is it South by Southwest a technology conference? Is it a music thing? It's, like, a hundred things. South by Southwest, but I've only been a couple times because it's one of those things that once you get old enough to go, mm. then... If you no longer live in the state, if you try to fly home during South by Southwest, the amount of money that you spend just to go home. Wow. <laughs> insane. But wow. Um, basically, it's I think it has a lot of on tech, it has a lot of stuff on music. Yeah. It's just like this big old hodgepodge of all these different kind of like worlds meeting up together, which mm -hmm. is why uh, them canceling has been a huge bummer to hear about because I know that there's a lot of people, especially uh, – like um, local businesses and such who are planning on attending. Yeah. I think lost a pretty decent chunk of change. I mean, everyone is losing money. Like, even uh, the president is talking about uh, uh, releasing some kind of economic stimulus package to uh, help companies, uh, like uh, employee tax credit or something to like right. to help employers. Like, the NBA might play without uh, fans. I think some English premiership games are being played without fans, and that's the soccer. But yeah, it's all good. Uh, hopefully, you know, we see all these uh, getting resolved. Uh, it almost seems engineered, like every other two or three years, is either H1N1, Corona, something just comes up. There's like, always something. Is, yeah. it, is it the behavior of humans, or uh, there's some conspiracy theory somewhere? But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's besides the point. I was going to say, we're about to full-on Alex <laughs> no, Jones No, 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 no. This, this is, welcome to the Culture Class Podcast. This isn't Alex Jones, please. <laughs> Neither is this Joe Rogan. <laughs> Which are two good podcasts, by the way. But um, So we met on New Year's Eve. I think the first time I met you, uh, you had like a game night in your apartment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was uh, December thirty first. Uh, I, I, did I say that to midnight? I don't think I don't. I don't remember. I think that for the most part, a lot of people kind of got tired and started falling asleep because we were drinking. Um, we had first of all like mold wine that yeah. was passing around. We had yeah, that was good. Drinks. That was good. By the way, yeah, you want to tell me how you made that again? Because <laughs> you had. Well, yeah, because I mean, mold wine, mold wine is such an underrated thing here stateside. Because I know that uh, for the most part, what I learned about it from is um, there's a Glühwein, which is made in Germany, which is like a spiced mold wine that they have. Mm -hmm. And um, it is, wow, it's delicious. So you basically take 
a red wine of your choice, and then you mix it with, I believe, apple, apple cider, uh, a couple different spices, I think cloves, um, star anise, um, I want to say cinnamon, orange juice. Put like, it all in the pot, burn it up. Pretty much, yeah. You just stir it all up. It doesn't take that long to make, mm-hmm. and it is delicious. And it's just one of those things where, especially in the winter time, like these yeah. cold winter months, it was extra sweet. Though was it the apple cider? What, what was? I think the apple cider and the orange juice really kind of push it towards the sweet. Yeah, side. and and you don't know you're drinking like it's like sweet, so it's yeah. like you're drinking soda, but there's alcohol there. Well, the thing is that also, frankly, if I can be entirely um, transparent, I'm not a big wine fan. Oh, I'm yeah. not a person who really goes out of his way to drink wine almost ever. If it's present and it's being offered. Sure, sure. But it's not a thing where I'm actively turning down things like beer to get wine. Got so, it. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And we played a lot of like funny games that day. I, I can still remember your your cat. Do I still have the scar in my hand? Like <laughs> you have a cut, your a pet cat and scratch me. I was, <laughs> say, I was trying to like coochie coochie coochie. Well, because like, like I heard that I didn't even know about that until I think it was a couple weeks later when we met at a brewery the other day. Yeah. You were like, did your cat scratch me? I was like. Yeah, I think it did because I was a little bit drunk, so I didn't notice. But <laughs> like the next day, I was like, "What the hell is is on my hand?" But uh, I mean, yeah, alcohol will do that to you. Yeah. Well, what's her name? Iona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how long? How long have you had her? What What made you decide to get a cat? I've had her since I would say January. I want to say twenty eighteen. Oh, okay. One year old. So, or no? Yeah, no. It was January twenty eighteen, and so she's about. Two years old, I think. Oh, we're in twenty twenty. Oh shit! But she's yeah. I think, I think she was born in September, so I think she's like two and a half right now. Oh yeah. But um, I decided to get a cat because I know a lot of people are really wild about dogs, and just I grew up with two dogs. I love dogs. Dogs are really great. I think they're wonderful companions to have. But but I will say that at least whenever you're young and you can only afford like an apartment, especially like a city apartment, mm-hmm. having a dog is really tough. At least to do mm. properly. Cause I know that, that take it down, walk it. Well, take it down, walk it, make sure it has the attention it needs. And also, I am in a long-term relationship. I've been in a long-term, long-distance relationship for about five years now. Mm. And I, every other weekend, go see my girlfriend for a day or two. Oh, so wait, you leave, oh, leaving a cat alone is easier than leaving a dog alone? Uh, beyond, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of times, and that's like, of course, there's always exceptions and there's always stuff like that, but... When it comes to things like cats, like cats usually are just much more relaxed, relaxed generally, and, chill. and they're less likely to do stuff like tear up your furniture or go on to so, like scratching posts and stuff around. Well, got it. man, I've seen some places after you leave a dog alone for just a day or two, if they, especially if they have separation anxiety. Yeah. And you can just come home and just your Separation just anxiety? Yeah. Is that a thing for pets? Oh, that's a totally real Okay. Thing. Obviously, I know nothing about pets. So okay. what Because like, um, just, you know, if you're a... If you leave for a while and you have a separation anxiety, especially when like a dog that has, I would say a little bit more capacity to destroy things, usually just because dogs generally are larger and yeah. are more energetic and all that stuff, then it's more likely that you can come home and find a bunch of your things torn to, torn. Be, torn to bits. I've yeah. always wanted to get an English bulldog. So where I come from, like dogs are much more common pets than mm-hmm. cats. Yeah. I would say in a considerable number of African countries, like a lot of people, like the film industry has destroyed cats' reputation. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost like, did you, I don't know if you've seen the movie Cats vs. Dogs, like an old movie about cats wanting to take over the world and I, dogs being spies wanting to sabotage that plan. I honestly cannot believe you brought that movie up. It's, it's <laughs> one of those things where I think it's been in my brain, but in a place that I couldn't access, maybe for my 
my own good, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and you I brought have, it you up have awakened it. it. You have dragged <laughs> it out of its corner. I mean, it's almost reversed. Like, it's almost like dogs wanted to be the predominant pet in most countries in Africa. And they use, like, Nollywood and, like, the film industry should just depict the cat in the most evil sense possible. So, like, whenever we see a cat, especially if it's, like, an all-black cat or something, like, it's right. always, it always has to be a cat. Like, cats are chasing you in dreams and cats are doing this and cats are doing that. So, cats are pretty much the bad guys. Well, and I think the biggest thing about that is, at least from the experience that I've had, and again, is generalizing because you can have, like, some dogs that act like cats and some cats that act like dogs. Like, I've seen both and yeah. it is weird, but it happens. Um, there's definitely, I think, with cats overall, I think that the relationship is one that I'd say is a little bit almost more like how it is with people. Because, mm. like, you know, when you have, like, dogs, like, dogs, by and large, very much like they want your attention, they want to be with you, and they always want to play, and they're always excited to be around you and yeah. just want to give you all of their love. And cats can be so loving and so sweet, <laughs> but they aren't like a dog where you first meet it and it might be all over you, and they, they can be, but they aren't like that with everybody. Yeah. I more often have seen dogs that are super excited to see everybody than a cat that's super excited to see everybody. Got it. And that is open to people, I guess, like from the introduction, from the get-go. Yeah. And um, I think that generally what I like about cats is that it kind of feels almost more like you have to earn it, I guess, <laughs> the relationship with them. That's like, funny. Well, you, you have the freedom. You have to also, like, frankly, and this is a thing that I think that, honestly, people could stand to hear. Like, you got to respect boundaries. Like, you got to have some level you of... You got to respect boundaries. Well, you got to have some level of just knowing, like, of, like, kind of, like, a period of, like, finding out of, like, oh, well, do you like this? Oh, you don't like that. I should do that less. You're not a fan of that. Like a human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a person is that you have... You can't just be, like, as cavalier as just, oh, my dog's going to love me and going to be all over me and be so excited all the time. And I feel like at some points that sometimes really makes the relationship special because like it's a thing where when she's with me and she's really loving all over me and everything it's like wow you well, when people come around she scratches her yeah well it's all good though i mean now that i think about it like, maybe we just like bigger things uh back home because like bigger cars bigger houses bigger cats because some people keep like lions as pets like say? really rich people like keep lions as pets and things so that that might be a just bigger cats mm -hmm. maybe so, but anyway, that's besides the point. Um, talk to me about growing up. So you've told me a little bit about your family. Like um, you, you have two brothers and a sister. Uh, you, I, I could imagine you were close with your parents growing up. But talk to me about the city. What cities did you grow up in? And what can you remember besides, you know, getting in trouble and being banned from Six Flags <laughs> well, <laughs> and well, all that stuff? Well, they tried to keep me away, but <laughs> oh, I found they could. a way. Yeah, okay. But, um, no, but uh, with my family, so just as some background, so my dad is, again, a surgeon, mm -hmm. and he and my mom got married, and they my dad's from small-town Texas. Okay. When I say small-town Texas, I mean that you see, like, the shape of Texas is the panhandle. Is, isn't that like an oxymoron, like, small-town Texas? It's, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. Everything's Even, bigger in I Texas, say, right? In, in many ways, it is the norm, except for a couple exceptions, because <laughs> <laughs> you have, um, I'd say, as far as decently-sized cities... And by decent size, I don't mean, like, Denver or something like that. But, you know, like, ones that have a lot of, like, major stores running through it and, oh, like, yeah. basic, like, good infrastructure and all that stuff and decent jobs. Mm -hmm. um, you have stuff, I would say, like, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, um, maybe Galveston. I'd say, like, I haven't been to Galveston enough to really know for sure, but I've heard that Galveston is 
a decent size. Oh yeah. And then um So your dad grew up in none of those. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Interesting. My dad grew up in so in Texas you have the panhandle, which is if you look at the shape of Texas, that little rectangle that sticks up out of the top left, yep. that's the panhandle. Oh, okay. And so the panhandle is mostly <laughs> the panhandle. just country. Okay. And so my dad grew up in like a really small town in the panhandle. His dad was a cattle trader. <laughs> really? So, like when and he became a surgeon. Uh, yeah. So he also has three siblings. So there's four big, four kids and their parents. And um, he basically ended up going to UT Austin for undergrad. University of Texas, Texas and Austin? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, which in there, for the record, they're not close to each other. They were still, I would say, like several hours drive to get from Hereford, is the name of the town, the small town, to yeah. Austin. Okay. Um, but basically, um, he moved out there, went to UT, I think a lot of his siblings did too, and he met my mom in college, and then he ended up going into medical school, I think he was medical in Galveston, and then he was there for a while, and then they, um, got married and moved to, uh, Portland, Oregon, actually, because he Mm. got, I think it was his fellowship. Texas to Portland, that must be, has, have been, uh... Somewhat of a different climate, I yeah. guess. <laughs> I mean, especially like Portland's the, more hippie kind well, of. Well, also just like the rain and the gray, and oh, like yeah. even just like the basically actual climate itself, like the climate climate yeah. is very different from Texas. At but, least you have the Nike store. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but um, right now you might have a coronavirus. <laughs> but, um, basically, um, he, they moved up there together, and then um, my sister was born up there in Portland. And then I was born in Portland. Okay. And then I think that we were only there for a couple more months. And then my dad and my mom moved with us to, I think it was Minneapolis for like a year. For yeah. a really short time. And then after that, they decided they want to go back to Texas. So we moved back to Austin. And I grew up back in Austin. In Austin. Mm-hmm. Got it. What, what were some of the fun things you did? Where is 6th Street? Is that in Austin or in oh, it's, Houston? It's or Wait, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I that's can, in Austin? I can tell you from experience. It's in Austin. Oh, okay. You have experience in Sixth Street, and well, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Sixth Street, Texas. That don't you don't have. Well, to say and actually, you know what? <laughs> I'd say if you're gonna Google Sixth Street, Austin, uh, maybe stick to the non-image search. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's because the Sixth Street is it's it's a fun time. It's like the very the downtown college bar place. It is. And so it is the place where if you want to go and you don't want to remember what happened the next day mm. and you want to do it one night and it's almost a guarantee, 6th Street is your place. I mean, I see all these yeah. crazy videos on YouTube about 6th Street. I'm like, God damn it. Like, what the hell is going on in Texas? Well, and the thing is that, like, also, and I'll just, like, full disclosure, and this isn't just, like, for the NSA, but <laughs> <laughs> I did not have a fake license or anything growing mm. up. Yeah. So I, like, didn't go to 6th Street until I was 21. Not at all. A lot of UT students who do have fakes go to 6th Street when they're still in college and they're underage. Um, I have that in good authority. Mm. I did not do that because I had no reason to be there, and I also didn't have anything to get me in there. Mm-hmm. And I also just, frankly, I was one of those people where, like, I know some people, like, didn't have fakes and just were brazen enough to try anyway. Mm. And I just, you know, didn't really feel a strong need. I, I like... Like, I like drinking fine. I do. But not enough to, like, really six, put six any, like, serious risk into it. Or also, because, like, 6th Street is one of those places where 
your night can get crazy really, really fast. Yeah. I mean, not. you guys hear this, right? In case Jack ends up running for the governor of Texas in the future. No <laughs> wonder he's drinking. Specifically the government of Texas. <laughs> That's a very good political name, though. Like Jack Foster, John Foster, John Jack Foster, J.J. Foster. J.J. Foster. I vote for governor of J.J. Foster. You know, <laughs> I went to school in Texas. I survived the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. All, all that good stuff. Put me in the public office ASAP. You, you grew up in Texas. What kind of sports did you play growing? up what, what you guys do what was uh the life for what was the life like you talk a lot about your catholic so your parents were obviously catholic you, you mm-hmm. talk a lot about going to catholic school and all that did you grow up like pretty sheltered were you guys forced to go to mass every sunday how so, was that like i'm gonna go ahead and say that i went to the exact same school for my schooling from what so we call it mother's day out which is basically it's before pre-k it's just daycare but okay. it's at the school and then i did pre-k Wait, 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 wait. Are you about to tell me that you went to the same school from before pre-K all the way to middle school or high school? To eighth grade. Oh, Jesus Christ. And in fact, to make matters worse, the middle school didn't even exist when I was and first well, Eighth grade there. is what, junior high? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's middle the, school. Okay. That's, that's the jump off point. And once you hit uh, high school in ninth grade ninth or grade. freshman year. Yeah. yeah. So I went to the same school Damn. the whole way through from before pre-K to eighth grade. I mean, your so, mother would have just like, look, just, should we switch him? This, I mean, he knows. No, it would be, it'd be more it's, effort it's at this easy. point to move so, somewhere else. Might as well go so, there. Yeah. And it's funny because like my sister went there first too. Yeah. And we both kind of were going on the same path. And then I think um, there's a decently good public middle school called uh, Murkison that she went to that was like in the area and it was pretty close to where we lived at the time. And so she asked to go there. And I think she was she, tired of the whole thing. Well, I think she also did like club sports and stuff. So she oh, met okay. people from public school. It was like, oh, it's not that bad. And she went. Okay. And I just had a lot of friends I was really close to still. Oh, so this and, was a private school. Yeah, it was a private Catholic school. Oh, interesting. Um, but she went to public middle school. And I um, got to the point where um, the middle school program also was pretty new around the time that she was about to go to middle school. Yeah. So I think it was kind of for my parents, it was like, a well, we don't know how like really developed this middle school yeah. program is. And we don't want her to be like the guinea pig. Yeah. And on top of that, we have this perfectly good school over here that she can go to this public. We might as well just get her to switch schools. However, because there was two years between us, by the time that I got there, I was given like more of an actual choice of where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? And Wait, a, pri- a private Junior high school, did you guys wear uniforms at Catholic school? Oh, yeah. No, we did. You so did? Basically so, wait, wore... was it like the whole like a blazer and a tie with a khakis oh, no, no. kind we of did, thing? We never went that crazy. Okay. Luckily, ours was a little more laid back. So, we had for um, Thursday is mass day. So mass we, day, okay. Yeah, so that's when we went to church. I'm not mathematics like mass. <laughs> no, yeah, not, not, not like mass like like weight either. I'm talking like, like church. So, we went to uh, church on Thursday. It was the first uh, part of the day. Every Thursday, I think it started like 8 a.m. or so. Wow. And you would start there and then start classes. Was it a co-ed school? Oh, yeah. Definitely a co-ed school. Okay. The way you answered that, I wouldn't have had it any other way. (laughs) Honestly? Yeah. No, it was a... I mean, and like, frankly, and this is like not to be like creepy on them, like, I had some very smart, good-looking girls in my school, in middle school. And I also, frankly, met a lot of people who didn't go to co-ed private schools. Mm. And, you know, like, definitely, like, they're, they're in great places now, but... For those couple years, I would say, like yeah. around middle school, you could see the difference of like how it changed, how it affected us versus how it affected them. Yeah. So, but um, basically, I um, for the uniform there, it was like a short sleeve like polo shirt for okay. um, Monday, 
do Wednesday and then Friday. Thursday, you had a button-down white shirt, like khaki slacks, and you're supposed to wear a tie with your button-down shirt. But we had these really silly. So I, you know, there's like clip-on ties, right? Uh huh. Got clip-on ties. Got regular ties. Ours was some like effed up hybrid where it basically was like, like a Velcro. So you basically had the actual like the clip on tie, mm-hmm. and then at the point where the end of the clip on tie would be, there wasn't a clip on the back of the top of the tie. Okay, you had these two elastic straps that went around the back of your neck and hooked behind your neck. <laughs> so it was basically like at that point, I'm almost like, why didn't you just commit to the clip on tie or to the regular tie? Like, why are we doing this weird middle road? Thing? I mean, maybe you want to switch from a tie to a clip on boot. <laughs> Well, and, and honestly, and at that point, by the time I got to high school, I could not tie a tie all the way through high school because mm. the only tie I knew was this janky hybrid one that I never saw again after middle school. Never have seen it in the wild ever since. And so I like I think only when I joined a fraternity in college did I actually have any pressure to learn how to do it how, myself. How to tie a tie. And we're going to talk about that. So you went to college in St. Louis, right? Yes, I did. What, what was the transition from Texas to St. Louis? I mean, not too far apart, but I mean, still. Far enough apart. I'll yeah. say that. When you go to St. Louis, you're in Midwest. So kind of like um, a lot of people who went to St. Louis were from like Chicago. Mm-hmm. Because Chicago, I'd say, is like a four-hour drive, a five-hour drive from St. Louis. So they're not super far apart. Okay. St. Louis and Austin, I think, is like 14 hours so it's not just around the corner. Cultural stuff is much different between the two. Oh, yeah, culturally, but, obviously. Yeah, but um, it was really cool. Honestly, it was a great experience for me because I, being from Texas, I went to, like, this small private Catholic school. And honestly, like, the amount of diversity I was exposed to in a small private Catholic school, not as much as I probably should have had. I, I mean, <laughs> tell me so about I'm it. I'm telling you probably <laughs> if I could tell you how many different races uh, there were from white people in the entire school. I think that I went to school total. I'm talking that Mother's Day out until eighth grade. I think I went to school with maybe two black people. And wow. they weren't even at the same time. Like they were there for two years at a time and then left probably because – they were the only black kid in school and obviously it was rough. Yeah. yeah. And then a lot of Hispanic kids mm. and I think like one Asian kid like in my grade. And Which is a lot different from Sixth Street, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, for anyone who is wondering if you'd be welcome on Sixth Street, Sixth Street welcomes all comers Everybody. for better or worse. <laughs> so Yeah. But you know. Um but going to St. Louis was really crazy. Like it was really like eye opening. It was really positive for me. Okay. Because um St. Louis compared to Austin, it's such a different city. It's just, first of all, like, as far as, like, um, the racial, like, uh, makeup of it, uh, much higher African-American population. Mm. Um, we had, at my school, specifically a lot of kids who were from Asian countries, so like India, um, like Japan, China, all those, because we had a really good, like, med school and law school program and such. Yeah, St. Louis has a has a good law school. I think I, I interviewed someone who went to St. Louis Law well, School. And, like, but... and the thing is, I don't really know if St. Louis, like, as a city, has a massive draw to, like, populations that are from most parts of the world. But because we had, like, the good med school, we had, like, I think a very, like, a higher percentage of those people who were there with us Got at it. school because of that situation. But... Me being at that school really allowed me to talk to more people who were different than me. And that was your first time, like, interacting with people from all those places, right? Yeah, well, and the thing is that, like, frankly, and the breakdown of where people came from 
was um, for at least like parts of like the U.S. For people who were from the U.S. Yeah, we had Chicago people. I'd say make up about a third of the people I went to school with. Okay, and I'd almost never met a Chicago person in my life up until that point. Do you know a Chicago person if you see him? Like, I can maybe know a New Yorker if I see them, or even a Texan. But Chicago's a little tougher. Mm. I think it's also kind of tough because um, so this is just such a peppy of mine at the time. I'm very much like a person who um, is very picky about English. And, like, I know that my girlfriend's going to listen to this later. Uh, you can verify, honey, that I am awful with it. I am so picky about language. And so... What, what do you mean? So, in there's these two girls I knew. Okay. My friends Anna and Maeve, who are from Chicago. And they're super amazing, sweet people. Do you know the candy uh, Reese's Pieces? Yeah, Reese's Pieces. Yeah, Reese's Pieces. E.T. Reese's Pieces. So let's just let's start off by agreeing, it's pronounced Reese's Pieces, right? Yeah. Like it, we, we, can you think of any other way that be pronounced? Not really. Okay, and that's kind of my point. It's going to matter later. So okay. We <laughs> need to hear were, this one. <laughs> we were, I met them my freshman year in college, and I had never imagined in my life. That someone might call the brand Reese's, Reese's, like with a long e. Reese's. That sounds almost like, like almost the English. Monkey, like, almost like the, I think of like the Reese's, Reese's monkey, like the one that they have. That's oh. like you know, like there's also like the um, your blood type. You got like A, B, O is like all those, and then you have like the uh, the Reese's factor. That I think that's yeah. also in there too for like compatibility, okay. but um. Yeah, Were they in med school? Uh, no. I mean, I almost, I thought about med school for a while. Oh, yeah. I ended up going. But because uh, uh, I like ended up between health management and pre-med courses. And I was, I liked them both. And they're both super interesting. I liked them about the same. But one was attacking my GPA at every opportunity. <laughs> and the other one was still challenging and difficult, but was not nearly as hard trying to drag it down into a darker place. Got it. So eventually I shed the med school thing and just stuck with health administration. Got it. But, um, and public health. But um, basically, we're getting to Reese's Pieces. Yeah, you, you, had a prob- you, you had a problem with how they pronounce Reese's Pieces. So, so yeah, so, yeah. So Reese's, mm-hmm. so they pronounce Reese's. And they called the Reese's Pieces, Reese's Pieces. Pieces? So, we, so the first time I hear this, I'm like, I must have just heard them wrong. Like, mm. or there's like, it must be like a gag. Like, just like, it's like a funny thing they know between them, like an inside joke, like whatever. Over time, I started to realize that it totally was a thing being said unironically. Mm-hmm. And we were talking to each other. And I was like, so why do you call it Reese's Pieces? And like, oh, well, because like, you know, um, you know, there's called Reese's Pieces. Okay. But when, like, but it wouldn't it be Reese's Pieces? No, the Reese's Pieces. Why are they Reese's species? Oh, because, well, you know, it's, um, I was like, well, let me break this down. How do you pronounce this word, the, the second word here? Pieces. Okay, let me go. All right. First word, Reese's. No, it's, it's Reese's. No, no, it's Reese's pieces. Okay, so, but why is it Reese's pieces if you just agreed that the word pieces is pronounced pieces? So you, has, guys, you guys are having a full-on argument about well, Reese's freaking but, pieces. No, oh, no, but what, then, the, what the hell? But what, then, why are you, after why that, you guys smoking that and, day? And, if, <laughs> and, and Maeve, if you hear this, I will I will go to war with you over this. I have not given up on this Christ. since that day. I this got is freshman so, year for Christ's sake. I am sake. so emotionally invested in this issue, oh, almost more than anything else. And so I was like, well, why would you pronounce pieces as pieces mm. and they're like to match the Reese's I'm like 
other way around. But they were just being they were just being it's, troublesome. Well, because also, frankly, if you pronounce it. Reese's Pieces, it already rhymes. And there was no cultural thing. <laughs> Wait, was there a cultural thing at play? Because you lived in Spain, obviously. I like, was in Spain for a little bit. So, yeah. like, I can imagine, like, you interacted with Spanish guys or girls who, like, talk differently based on, you know, Spanish being your first language. Uh-huh. It wasn't much of an oh, issue no, over these, there. Well, I was going to say, but these girls were Chicagoan. They were American Chicagoan mm. people. And Doesn't I, get any more American than that, right? Just drove me nuts. I mean, not as bad as, like, Wisconsin, which... You know, Wisconsin people, I've met you, you're super sweet, you're super nice. The word bagel, it's not pronounced bagel. Who pronounces it bagel? Wisconsin people. <laughs> I, I, well, I haven't been to Wisconsin, but... Well, I've heard that. There's also um, milk. I've heard pronounced milk. Which... Well, it's it's different. You know, there's uh, people from New York, again. Yeah. <laughs> Houston Street or New York in New York. Is it spelled like Houston? Exactly. It is Houston. No way. It is Houston Street, but it's no Houston. No way. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you kind of have that in some places. You kind of like, have that difference. Uh, but, hey, well, what, what can you do? Huh? And frankly, I want I, I want to like be like, how could they ever do something like that? But yeah. then I think about, so here in Colorado, for any of you who are not familiar, and also in a lot of parts of the U.S., we have, like, streets and towns that are named after, you know, Spanish words. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, Los Angeles is Los Angeles, which is the angels in Spanish. Yeah. And then we have, like, obviously, like, the Rio Grande, which is south, which is, you know, the big river. We call it the Rio Grande. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. we are so bad with that, especially because in here, I think the most egregious one I see here that there is a uh, part of town called um, Lyman, spelled L-I-M-O-N, like Simon with an L instead of an S. Okay. And I'm almost Limon. Cer- I'm almost certainly it comes from Limon, which is lemon. <laughs> <French>. <laughs> and it drives me. Yeah, I mean, you know, places yeah. is one thing. Like with names, like I was trying to explain my last name to someone uh, yesterday, and I was like Iari. She was like Iari. I was like no Iari. I was like well, she was like I was like Iari. It's three syllables. Like Iari. Say that I'm guilty of that. Yeah. I am so bad with that. I'm one of those people who also, I with me and pronouncing to people, I'm one of those people who will just. I'm super stubborn, and I will ask you like ten times what your name is the uh, first time, so that I make sure I don't. You know what? I, act- I actually prefer that to be honest, because when I say my name is Nosayari, like ask me what it is three, four times. I tell you what it is, you get it, and we move on. But some people just like feel weird about it, like they don't want to say it wrong. So when I was interviewing Andres yesterday, he kept telling me to roll. Uh, last week, he kept telling me to roll my R's. His name is Andres Romero, mm-hmm. and he's from Mexico or Mexico, and he was like, "No, it's Andres, not Andres, Andres." So Andreas, Andreas, so yeah. you have to roll your R. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get it. So yeah. well, the thing is that, like, and and let's just really level with you. So even if your name was like a more like common name yeah. in the U.S., I can tell you right now, still happens because my name. Jack Foster, literally a name that if you had to make up a fake idea, wait, wait, on the spot, they, they tell they mispronounce Jack Foster. They, I get called Jake. I swear to God. <laughs> is this so, like a Key and Peele sketch or so, something? Uh, I mean, honestly, might as well be. Because it's one of those names where, like, Jack is almost, honestly, one of those names that phonetically, in every way, I don't know how it could not be the uh, way you see no. it. But, I mean, why is there a lot of American references in this in this episode? So please Google Key and Peele. Let me, a lot of people listen to, listen to this podcast from outside the country. Yeah, no, no. If, if, so, yeah. if any of you have not listened, watched Key and Peele, seriously go take the time to do that. It is fantastic. If you want to watch individual funny. clips of assuming that you have access to this stuff. And this like, is the same, like, this is Key, like, Keegan-Michael. Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele, who directed Get Out. 
and you know a bunch of other horror flicks is where it's going from comedy to directing horror movies right but a lot of their clips are on youtube so if you like are worried about paying for the subscription if you want to watch just like little bits of it because also a lot of the sketches they, they can watch for by, data maybe you can watch them by your by themselves mm. as long as you have access to the internet and you can get onto youtube you can watch them that way where you're not like paying like a subscription fee versus and they still that show has been over for like five years but they still release new clips every other day like they released one for black history month Mm -hmm. i was like wow so they still hold on to these things and like drop them like five years later that's that's they're they're fantastic i remember when they first came out I think it was twenty like I want to say eleven or so, something like that. And I remember that they came out, and I like actually watched a ton of Comedy Central growing mm. up. I loved Comedy Central, and I remember that this one night it like came on, and even know that it was a new show, it just appeared on my TV, and I was hooked, and I love that show. You used to watch Comedy Central? Oh, I, all the time. Watch Trevor Noah. The day. Well, actually, Trevor Noah. Well, because Trevor Noah has been more recent. Mm. I actually watched a lot of John Stewart when he was still doing the Daily Show. Uh, his, oh, John Stewart. His, his oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you meant John Oliver because oh, I yeah. I watch like late late show with John. Well, and I, I think also I don't know how much you know about um, Daily Show with John Stewart. Like, I do know about Daily Show. So, like he was the one that invented. Uh, what was the name of the guy before him that spent like a year? I want to say it was like Johnny Carson, maybe. No, John, Johnny, Johnny Carson, Carson was the oh, yeah. <laughs> no, nice show for Christ's sake. It was, it was, it was the late show. <laughs> it was what was his name? He just he was only for uh, like a year. Like that, was, I think he started the whole thing. Yeah, because like that's the uh, thing. With I a lot think of his name starts with an S. But John Stewart obviously like changed that whole category of like you know. Um, Parody news, and now the Daily Show like has a podcast, which is hilarious because they mimic NPR podcasts. Not right. NPR podcasts are like a little serious and stuff, but they like make it comedic. First of so all, that's crazy. I'd like to to start by whoever is laughing at me right now for saying Johnny Carson. Yeah, you know what? You're <laughs> you're right Carson. to do that. I can't. I cannot believe he's twenty four. My, my brain was just reaching for names. <laughs> I know. If I couldn't show my age more than I already did, but um, it's a uh, Craig Kilborn. Craig Kilborn, yeah, was that's what it is. 1996, 1998, so only two years. Yeah. But um, basically, um, John Stewart, this is crazy when you look at all the people who have been on John Stewart's show, well, yeah. when he was on Daily Show, you have some people who really went yeah, on. Yeah, John Oliver was on. So, yeah, John, John Oliver, Oliver was a big correspondent for him. Uh, Stephen Colbert was before Stephen he got Colbert, his own show. Correct. Yeah. Um, um, what's the name of that comedian, 40-year-old version? Uh, Steve Carell. S- Steve Carell, I think, was Steve, there. Yeah. He also um, was there. Um, there was just a ton of people that, like, I think Ed Helms, who, um, for anyone who's watched The Office before, it's yeah. um, the guy who takes on after Michael does. He's, like, in the second half of the show. Someone's going to be mad at me because I didn't watch a lot of that. I don't really watch The Office, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't find The Office as funny as a lot of people do. I don't know. It's maybe, like, my humor is not that... I like to believe, like, I like funny things. Well, but The Office is not just that funny to me. I think, honestly, and this is just... I don't know if this is a thing other people have. I struggle very hard with like cringe humor, and when I say cringe, humor, really? I can be specific. So you're the college humor guy. So he's talking well, about. Well, well. So here's, here's, <laughs> like, here's a good example. Um, so anyone here who's seen Drake and Josh? Mm. So like just like kind of like Nick Tune sitcoms stuff like that. I would love. I love those shows. You should talk to my sister. Yeah, if there was times where a character was you know like a, like a nice character, but it'd be like humiliated. Like mm. in some horrible way, mm. I would just like feel this like kind of like feeling to someone about it. Like, oh, I really want to change the channel. I really don't want to watch it. I feel what it's setting up for. <laughs> like, yeah, I just I hated that. I well, what's your favorite comedian? That. What kind of comedians do you like? So I've had a lot. They've rotated a lot throughout the years. I also will say that the more I have been exposed to other people and other cultures, mm-hmm. it changed a lot because oh, yeah. 
back in the day, I remember, like, you know, <clears throat> when you're, like, a Texan kid who's only been exposed to mostly, like, other white people and people who don't get really into, like, racial stuff like that, mm-hmm. you kind of, like, you laugh at the comedians who, like, um, have jokes about, like, racial stuff, but for, like, with less knowledge behind it, I guess, like, less of an understanding, because mm-hmm. I remember that I loved, like, Dave Chappelle. I love Dave Chappelle. But, like, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that, like, well, after back when I was, like, younger, I'm talking, like, 12 or something like that, or, like, 13. Well, like, this was Dave times. Chappelle at 12. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I watched Family Guy and stuff like that back then. Oh, yeah. I watched a bunch of stuff that was probably, like, a little crass for me to watch at the time. But, you know, oh, yeah. these days, everyone does that. I mean, my youngest brother was exposed to uh, South Park at a pretty oh, young age. Not, not, all on, not on purpose. <laughs> yeah. But once you get to kid number four and everyone around you is decently older and they're watching South Park. Yeah. At, after the fifth time the younger brother waltzes in to like your open living room that's like hard to get him out of at some point I think that people just get apathetic and they're like I don't want plus, to no, plus there's the internet now like those those days like you had to like sneak in the Playboy magazine uh, under your book bag like put a ton of textbooks <laughs> on <laughs> so but also, now like there's the internet so also and so this is this is I think this is really funny because I one of my friends told me about this and I just think it blows me away so um I had, like, my friend had to point this out to me. So, um, for, there's, like, um, Pornhub, of course. Mm-hmm. They apparently have this little, like, drum kind of ditty. They do, like, an intro when they show this stuff. It's, like, like a two to three second, like, <laughs> very, very recognizable drum thing. Mm-hmm. And a recent thing that's been going around on the internet is that there are, like, kids in, like, high school and stuff yeah. who are basically... Like, they'll be doing, like, band performances. And, like, they'll, and they'll, they'll sneak the- it in. And it's just, like, one of those things where, like, some of them, some of them are super bold with it. And yeah. by bold, and I'm not saying, like, that it was a good thing that they did it. I mean, if the but, teacher yeah. knows what it is, then, what is hey, it? how do you know? <laughs> I think what makes it more funny is more the fact that for the adults who recognize what it is, mm. <laughs> there's a level of, for them to get that kid in trouble, yeah. has to be acknowledgement of, I know what that is. <laughs> exactly. But they're adults, but still. You know, maybe a wife is, is there. And, it is you know, such like you a wanna... clever trap. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that it just, it's so funny. I mean, Pornhub is like the seventh biggest website in the world. I mean, it's, all, it's especially, and also from like the things like I know about it, like there's stuff where I think that they've done some like humanitarian stuff. Yeah, just, man, it's just. Are you talking about porno by no humanity? No, no, no. Yo, do you do you not know about? I, are you so, joking? No, no. They, I think they had a couple campaigns where they did stuff where you would um, if you um, visited a couple different videos during the day. Mm-hmm. I remember this is all about like Reddit and stuff for a while. So yeah. like even if you like didn't visit regularly, you probably would have been exposed to it. Um, they would plant trees. For like a certain number of specific interesting, and they've done like several of those, like several of those, and um, I've also heard that what some people will do is um, so YouTube, for example, yeah, YouTube's getting getting really really stringent about um, copyright content, mm-hmm. so some people will put like full movies on porn sites because I mean I have discovered some. Interesting songs on Pornhub. Like some <laughs> artists, some artists use it. They use it to promote songs. Like they insert a song in a like a video. Like really, or okay. songs are playing over and over. And you get it's so catchy. You get and you eventually go to YouTube and like search for the artist. And oh, well, and this I, guy actually doesn't have a bad playlist. Well, because like I had a college buddy who told me about this, and someone someone on the internet who knows about this is going to be really mad at me for spoiling the secret. Maybe jeopardizing it. I mean, we're doing research here. Yeah. You know? So, so that, <laughs> yeah, that's new research. So no. Um. So like uh. Dragon Ball Z 
They had the two. They've had like a couple movies in recent years. They've tried to like revive it and bring it back. Cartoon Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. So they had. There was <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. I think it was Battle of Gods was its name, and it was from like 2014. I want to say like 2015. So like not last year, but recently. Okay. And <laughs> it's in full on like a pornography website oh. because the thing is, is that. They, the people who are actually policing copyright aren't checking, checking those websites. Porn and those I websites, bet they are, but they are not probably checking and, for it. They are not working. They do that after work. Well, yeah. And those, <laughs> so. and those websites <laughs> like, um, aren't like policing. As that is a good copyright. idea. Maybe I should put my podcast on Pornhub. No, who knows? No, no, who no. knows? We might have no, some new what, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> we might have some new fans because, you know, well, no, tagging with say, the right things. Well, you're honestly... <laughs> I, I would be terrified at how it would change the demographic. <laughs> but, but you know the interesting thing about the porn industry? Most of the advancement we see in technologies actually starts from the porn industry. Mm-hmm. So the whole concept of being live, Instagram live, Facebook live, that allegedly started in the porn industry. The whole thing with augmented reality, like pushing it to the forefront, is being tested in the porn industry. The whole thing with identity management and how to, you know, safely secure passwords and all that was like most of the early uh, advancements in that technology was from the porn industry. So, because I don't know, like porn CEOs are actually like know about a lot about tech. Well, and frankly, and the thing is, honestly, it's like, if you think about it, it's actually, it's decently lucrative. Because you have people who are paying, decently, like, it's overly lucrative. Massive amounts of money, Dude. and so if you're like starting off these services, like you will almost certainly have people who will pay for it. Yeah. And as a result, like you have a much safer place to try out an idea and make sure that the reason it fails is not because I didn't have enough money. Mm. Because like there's a lot of stuff where if they try out a new service, there's the issue. There's always the risk if you're trying out like a new technology or like a new like service that if you try it out. And you don't have a ton of funding, yeah. And there's like not a guarantee you're gonna get a lot of funding. Mm. That if it fails, the question is, did it fail because the actual service itself was bad, or did it fail just because it didn't catch on soon enough and it wouldn't become viral enough that I got enough money to keep it sustainably? Mm. And so, I mean, it depends. Sometimes you catch a wave. Sometimes you're just you just try something too early or too late. Well, and I think, and that's macro factors. And I think that with this part of why that's a safer environment, because people are looking there anyway. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) And the people people who are paying for one thing are more likely to be open to paying for something that, I guess, like that, you know? And now it's starting to go to OnlyFans. OnlyFans was hacked a couple of weeks ago or something. Really? Yeah. But I, I wouldn't, Hey, there's so much free stuff. By the way, that's by the way. Let's get back to college. So in college, <laughs> in college, let's uh, talk. Hold on. Can we just point out the segue from websites <laughs> to college? Was that on purpose? <laughs> I mean, it, it's good, right? <laughs> I mean, in college, like, there are a bunch of things that happen differently from, like, where I grew up back home in, in Nigeria, in high school and college, and over here in the States, obviously, high school and college. So we wore uniforms uh, going to school. I went to a military school, but most schools in Nigeria wear uniforms, if not all schools, like 98% of schools mm-hmm. wear uniforms. And these are, like, elaborate uniforms with your badge on the left breast pocket and like you have to wear the right socks like you might be wearing the right socks but it's not the right brand of white socks oh so really? you, you can get into trouble like and the right shoes and it doesn't so in some schools it has to be brown or black you know so very strict that so, kind of thing and it's interesting really quickly mm. so with the socks and i guess like that just did not to derail you but just because i was curious yeah 
So with checking for the socks and for like the brand, is it like that they actually like how do they check? Like do they like? I mean, no. It's there. 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 When I say the brand, so it'll be obvious. Like those who went to high school in Nigeria remember what. We used to call computer socks. So there was a computer socks, which I don't know why it got the name computer socks. Maybe it looked like bits and bytes. Like it, it was like a netted. So kinda, it, was like, it was the way that the cloth was like brought. Together. Exactly. So yeah. it looked like like a netted kind of thing. That was you know if you wore computer socks as against like a bestman socks, it was a thing. So obviously people will always be troublesome in high school. So people wear two socks. They wear the <laughs> computer socks. They wear the bestman socks inside. Then put the computer socks over. Then they roll down the computer socks. So they're walking with the bestman socks. So they look different from everyone. So oh. they're kind of like, and when they see teacher coming, they'll just roll up their computer socks. Oh my god, <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay, so. and then like you know, to again over too much longer but this summer was something really funny so that middle school I went to uh-huh. do you know what Heelys are? Mm-mm. Heelys are a kind of tennis shoe where basically and I, I know someone out there who's a big Heely fan but they're not just tennis shoes mm-hmm. but it's basically you take like a tennis shoe and then at the bottom of the heel like right kind of underneath like not like the ball of the foot the opposite side of the foot yeah. underneath is a wheel and what happens is, oh, you, you can roll on and you, it. They're like little hidden, like rollerblades. Yeah. And the thing is, is that man, kids abused those when those came out. Yeah. And because technically they were for some schools shoes that could be up to code, and so a lot of like my school was like, no, you can't can't bring Heelys into school. Fun thing about Heelys, mm. the wheels are removable, and there's a oh. little rubber piece you can get that come with the shoe stick into that hole to just make it a flat rubber sole. Got it. So you can transform your Heelys into, into regular shoes oh. as long as you literally have a couple seconds. And there are definitely people who very flagrantly went against the Healy ban. And upon the time where they're going to get pulled over and get in yeah. trouble, they try to wheel out of sight and hide for a while and then swap out the wheel. I mean, high school is all about rebellion. You always have people who are, you know, challenging authority. And, you know, a lot of those people actually go on to achieve great things. But we, we couldn't see it at the time. <laughs> but, but but talking about college, I want to touch on fraternities because um, that means something totally different where I come from. I'm, I'm not surprised. Like, to- totally different. Like, well, where I come from, you have, you know, confraternities, fraternities and stuff in colleges. And most of them, most of them started off really like educational, like only students could get in. So think like Harvard, uh, Skull and Bone, Illuminati kind of thing. Right. <laughs> so, but eventually, like over time, it's like people couldn't get in. And they were like, fuck it, I'll go start my own. Right. And over the years, there was just this breakdown and the pro- proliferation of fraternities and, you know, the military government in Nigeria. There were conspiracy theories with them with that. And in some cases, it turned violent to the extent that if you say publicly that you were in a fraternity, you could be expelled. Ooh. You could be like, it got to a point where like schools didn't want fraternities in there. But it means something totally different. You have Greek life in American right. college. Do you want to experience, explain your experience with like what fraternity were you in? What did you guys do typically? Do you guys have like weird rituals? You cut your hair half an inch or something? Like so that? I I will disclose what I'm allowed to disclose. Okay, here and we I, go. And that's, and that's mostly... Are you wearing a fraternity ring right now? Uh, no, there's yeah. actually a uh, cotter okay. ring and I'll get All into right. that in a bit. Right. But uh, basically... Um, so, and by what I mean, what I can disclose is more stuff like where it's like with traditions, mm-hmm. it wasn't stuff that's like bad. It's more of just like kind of the thing of like, this is like our bond. And so these are like rituals that are like knowledge kept only within the fraternity. Mm-hmm. So it's like symbolism and stuff like that. So it's oh, not yeah. like a thing where it's like, it would hurt or endanger anybody. I just don't Do want you guys to... haze? No, like you mean like 
like nationally or anything. I mean, the problem. I mean, you're, you call it. Oh, well, in my nationally. in my chapter, not really. Oh, yeah. So basically, like what happened was, um, like, and just like as a dynamic for anyone who's unaware. So especially for people who are outside of the states. So a lot of times. I'm assuming what most people's perception of fraternities is stuff that you get from like Animal House, like the movie Animal House, mm. and stuff where you have like very hardcore hazing and things like that. And music videos. And let me go ahead and preface this with that totally exists. Mm. It's definitely real. It definitely happens in fraternities across the country. My chapter, though, that I had in my fraternity was very much not like that. And I say that more in the sense of my group was like the nerdy group of guys mm. who would like play Smash Brothers tournaments, <laughs> like like video games Got like it. together and just hang out on the weekends. So we like didn't do any like big crazy rager parties. We pretty much... Did you guys much, have a frat house though? We did not. So at my campus um, at my college at uh, St. Louis University, um, they had uh, Greek life pretty much on a pretty short leash. Because, um, as like as I mentioned, with those other fraternities and like those uh, hazing and stuff that exists in mm-hmm. Greek life, and also for the record, there is like some negative stuff also in like sororities too. So it's not just the boys; it's the boys and the girls. Yeah. Um, the issue is, is that they at schools where they're allowed to have stuff like houses, there's this degree of independence that they're given that's very, very high. Yeah. And does that necessarily mean it's always going to be a bad thing? No, but it definitely opens the door to make it possible mm. when it wouldn't be if you didn't allow for those things. Yeah. So with that in mind, my school said, no, you're not having houses. No one's getting houses. You're allowed to still be a fraternity or sorority. How'd they police that, though? You can just rent a house for a week. Airbnb a place. So you could technically do that. The only thing is I think that if basically – so I guess – and here's like what I know about it from the people I knew in fraternities and from my own fraternity. Yeah. If you – had like a place rented off campus and you basically treat it like a fraternity house or a sorority house and you want it to be close enough to campus that it's still a good place to live you don't want to live way off miles and miles from campus because then at that point you'd be more advantageous just for you separately like as a student and as a person to be close to your school Mm. and not have to do this giant gross commute every day yeah um problem with that is that if you're staying close to campus then if you do things like throw parties or do things like that, anything that really draws attention to yourself yeah. that involves people outside of your group, then uh, people start to get loose lips pretty quick, start talking about how much fun we had at the fraternity house or at the sorority yes. house. And then if it gets to administration, you're going to get a call. That's basically like, we heard that there's a house on our off campus. They don't care if it's official or not. How is your fraternity? I mean, obviously, typically, like, you have alumni of these fraternities who are part of the uh, governing body at the university. So it's like they kind of like, you know, I want to say look the other way, but... Well, know. I think for ours, we didn't really don't think we had anybody on mm-hmm. ours. And actually, in fact, we were actually liked pretty significantly by the school nice. because we did a decently good job in, like, we, we still, like, had fun and we still, like, enjoyed ourselves and we weren't, like, really, like, constantly trying to kiss up to the school. But we, like, respected boundaries and if there were boundaries that were set, especially ones for, like, good reason, then it's like we respected that and okay. we stuck with it. What was the name of your fraternity? Uh, we were in uh, Ta Kappa Epsilon, which is uh, known as Teak or TKE. Okay. And so it, like, I don't know what Teak's reputation is, like, at large because, you know. 
problem when you have also a thing like a fraternity sorority for anyone who's listening, when they have an organization that large, with chapters dispersed all across the country as big as the U.S., yeah. some of which have ones even outside of the U.S., really? like Canada and other countries. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I wonder if we have fr- uh, frat, frat chapters in Africa or countries in, I think, in Africa. I, that would be pretty interesting. If I remember correctly, I think some of them might have branches that extended like Europe in some parts, mm. maybe like Germany and things like that. I could see that. But at least and that's just from memory. I, might be totally I could say, but some of, some of the... <laughs> I can see some of the practices just be non-existent. If you had like an African chapter, like if you had like o- o- Omega Phi Epsilon something in Nigeria, you're like, oh, bend over for you, like smack someone with a ladder. Like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, no, yeah, well, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that like, um, also for the record, I definitely thought when you were going to say a fraternity name that you're going to say Omega Pi Omega. Which is um, there's the key and peel skit. Oh, it is that one guy who's getting so he's getting the Greek letters branded onto him. Oh yeah, and they draw they draw like a penis on his chest. How loyal I am. Yeah, and they try to put them on, but at one point, with a guy like who's branding him, like puts it on like upside down and like an angle. He's like. What are you? What are you doing? Supposed to put a straight line like down my chest, and he keeps like trying to correct it, and it ends up looking like a penis. Like a penis. <laughs> because yeah. you have like the two omegas as like the balls, and the one is the head, and then the oh, pie is like the God. middle. And man, I just, I definitely, you, I think he's omega fine. I was like leaning in, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, was getting ready. I mean, you guys should definitely watch Key and Peel sketches on YouTube. Those are crazy. There, there's one where uh, he went to a French restaurant, was trying to pronounce the menu. Uh, on the, it was like, would you have the sauce on sauce or the Josie was a loose sauce? Like, that was just. Yeah, I was gonna say, honestly. Oh, oh, crazy. The ling- my second language I learned in uh, school is Spanish, which you know. Being, oh, really? Being American in general, unsurprising. Being Texan, even less surprising. Yeah, yeah, you have the whole Tex Mex thing, right? Texas, well, Mexico. Well, because it's the most, like, honestly, as far as languages in Texas, it is the one that poses, frankly, the most utilitarian like advantage like, you actually it. can use it for something I mean Beto, Beto uses it all the time mm-hmm. Beto does, Oro uh, Beto we, we love Beto and Austin <laughs> tell but, um, me about it <laughs> yeah but we um, I will say also um, here's a fun culture thing so I learned Spanish I did enough that I um, went into IB Spanish 5 which um, there's a program in the US and I think in other countries around the world well it's in the name so it's definitely it's called International Baccalaureate and um. basically it's like you have like advanced placement, which a lot of students take in high school, which are classes that help them get um, more prepared for college. Like they are like harder classes than normal classes. Mm. And then um, there's International Baccalaureate or IB for mm. short. And IB courses. Can, can, can I cut you short? I mean, we'll, we'll talk about IB five yeah. in, a sh- in a short while, but totally. because of what you mentioned, a lot of teens in the U.S. I see them freak out about college. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have? Situations because there are so many colleges in the U.S. So like with five thousand or ten thousand different higher institutions of learning, or even more than that. Like, how difficult is it to get into college? Is it is the problem that you don't you get into the college you don't get into the college that you want? Are there ever situations where someone finishes high school and the person just stays home because he couldn't get into the call into college and it's not like voluntary? Like, I don't want to go to college or I want to you know spend a year backpacking Europe or something. Are there situations where someone actually wanted to go to college and maybe gets rejected from all of them and there's just a situation where he couldn't go to college that like he's spending a year at home because he can't go to college. Right. I will say so I will preface this with the fact that I will fully admit I come from a place of privilege. Mm. One, I'm white in the US, so that already gives me a leg up in some ways that it shouldn't, but it does. Mm. 
And then I also come from a pretty well-off family. Mm. So for us, I had more ability to pick and choose what I wanted to do. That being said, um, it depends a lot on what is available where you live. Mm. Because if you live in some parts of the country that have good state schools nearby that are public options, and you have, um, if you're in state, like if you've been a resident of that state long enough, you can pay for a much cheaper tuition at that state school usually, mm. and just go to your local state school. Also, it has to do with finances and money. Yes, finances is a big part of it. I say Got also it. for also like as far as actual um, rigor, like actual difficulty in getting into mm. programs, as far as like um, how are the classes and everything are. It can be pretty hard. It depends, again, on what you're aiming for. I will say something for sure um, that a lot of people, I feel like, especially people in high school, um, don't get full, a full, full view into until they've gone to college and they've met people from other colleges. Where you go to college matters generally, less for very specific purposes, less than a lot of people act like it does. Mm. it still matters where you go. It can't be a program that's like not accredited. For example, like it's not one that's been vetted to have actual, like a strong education program in a certain subject. And you want to do it in an actual, get a degree in something that you really want to do for a living. Mm -hmm. But as long as there is a school that is affordable, that has an okay quality of education and it has the program you want it's really not that big of a deal most of the time. It really is not always the difference between you getting hired somewhere and you not getting hired somewhere. I will say there Except are... Except you go to MIT, I guess. Well, that's the thing is that there are some schools, and it also is there are some fields that are really picky about kind of more like Ivy League kind of schools or very specific like technical schools. Yeah. But it depends on what you're going into. And for some jobs, like for example, like if you're getting like a business degree, unless you go to like harvard or something like a place that has like a name where you know it even if you've never been you've never met anyone from there before mm -hmm. it'll carry a little bit of weight if you don't actually have like the skill like the like the actual grades and stuff to back it up and the work ethic and a lot of times also work experience to back that up yeah then that name does not carry you enough to still get you a really good job job yeah i can, I can speak terribly. i can speak to that like but um, at the end of the day, you know, it gives you somewhat of a leg up, but there still has to be personal accountability as to what you make of it, you know, right. eventually. But yeah, I just say that, to, you know, I was just interested in that particular uh, dynamic uh, compared to, to where I'm from. But IB5. And I'd say, oh yeah, IB Spanish 5. So um, as mentioned before, the International Baccalaureate. And International Baccalaureate is special because they have sometimes a different kind of structure how they teach courses. Mm -hmm. So they'll do something where in the U.S. we have a really big problem when it comes to um, standardized testing. Tell me about so it. So you basically <laughs> get these tests that are like multiple choice, fill in the blank. And a lot of what you learn is more just to check off boxes on a list than it is really. I talking about the SATs. About, about SATs, ACTs talking about um, AP tests, which are advanced placement tests, which if you take AP tests, some colleges will allow you to get credit for courses mm. at those colleges wow. if you do well enough on those tests. Wow. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think it's overblown how many schools will accept that credit. And also, if we're going to do any like post-professional degrees, so if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or those things, most of the time... If you say, yeah, I did all the classes you want me to do for me to go to med school, and they look at it and they see that it was an AP 
credit you got from high school instead of an actual class, they'll make you take the class again. Again. Like, they, you won't get away with just getting the credit Maybe from high test. school, which... I mean, and, and nowadays, like, it's like schools are starting to depend less and less on standardized uh, tests, in a way. Because now... You kind of, like, get the feeling that schools are looking for candidates. Schools are, like, really large HR companies. Mm-hmm. They're looking for the right candidate for the company or the institution or the school. So not necessarily the best candidate, but the one that can fit in well with the culture and the one who the school can help to achieve whatever dreams or aspirations you have mm-hmm. in the future. So unlike standardized said that, hey, you know what? You scored so high here. You're supposed to be a lawyer. Uh, you're supposed to be a doctor, sorry, get into this liberal arts arts college, that right. kind of thing, that kind of stuff. So schools are starting to realize we have a bunch of schools saying they don't actually use the, well, with graduate school, use the GRE. Some schools don't use the SAT, very few of them, but more of them are starting to kind of tool that route. Right. So, And I will say that also, um, yeah, basically just it's one of those things where he was special, International Baccalaureate, because it's straight a little further away from just having stuff. And you can actually take <coughs> IB exams that were like AP tests that could also get you credit for college stuff. Mm -hmm. But instead of them being these big multiple choice slogs that you had to go through, Mm -hmm. an IB test normally was much more written. You'd write like maybe this giant essay where you did like a research paper that Mm -hmm. was super in-depth about the thing you were learning. For me, um, an IB Spanish 5, basically once you hit IB Spanish 5, it turns into almost like a Spanish literature class. So it's not just you're learning verbs and nouns and those things. You're reading actual like short stories and stuff like that all in that spanish. Are written in spanish yes interesting trying to learn more about it and How, how's your spanish right now oh it's rusty, <laughs> it's rusty. it also doesn't help that you, you can't still communicate i mean you lived in spain for christ's sakes well i did but and like and also i also i knew frankly more than most of my fellow students from st louis mm. who went there but this was a study abroad program right which is yes, really popular i guess and thankfully when made it extra nice a lot of study abroad programs you have to have your school in the States form a relationship with a school that's already existing mm, overseas. I can see that. And they kind of like have this like symbiotic relationship. I can see that. St. Louis University is one of the schools lucky enough that they actually own their own campus in Madrid. Oh. So there is no, the schools don't have to communicate and try to figure out how to transfer class credits and stuff. Yeah. It's just another arm of St. Louis University. Look at that. So, so some great. people actually go to St. Louis University, but attend the campus in Spain. I can see that for the business school. That that sounds like IESA. IESA is like an international business school mm-hmm. that has like campuses in, I think, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say Germany, but I'm not sure. But like four different countries. Right. And people just hop around. <laughs> like, exactly. They take so, one semester here, one semester there. And that's the nice thing about St. Louis University in Madrid is that whenever I was there, is that I actually had a lot of peers mm. who were not American. Mm. I had like some Swiss peers, some German peers, some people actually were from Spain who were going there for college. Okay. And a lot of them would do that. And then if they wanted to, they could do basically the opposite of what I did and spend a semester or two in the States instead. Like flip and go the other way and then be in America for a little while. That's a very interesting way. I can imagine people listening to me from Nigeria. I can imagine if like the University of Benin or the University of Lagos like, had a school in Zambia or South Africa. Like you just go for like a semester. That'll do a lot to like right. and, and the only, educate you culturally, not just well, and it helped me scholastically. And I mentioned before that <clears throat> me being this kid from Austin, Texas, and going to St. Louis really expanded my worldview. I mean, these people who has had grown up totally different than I had. Yeah. Going to Spain was like another level of that. Like yeah. another expansion. 
and it was really wonderful. I will say that my Spanish, the only issue learning <laughs> Spanish in the states, especially in Texas, yeah, is you learn the you learn Mexican Spanish. Okay, and so there's a difference. There is a significant difference. Oh, look at that! It's not a thing. Well, you can usually get by decently with Mexican Spanish in Spain, mm-hmm. but there's a couple differences that will kind of catch you off guard. So, some I can think of immediately. So there's a word like um, gracias, which means like thank you mm-hmm. in Spanish. In Spain, instead of the C in the middle, it's like gracias. It's almost like a TH, like gracias. Oh. Is how it's pronounced. And there's a lot of that in Spain for a lot Got of different it. Spanish words. And uh, we have so- Sofia. Sofia, if you're listening to this, uh, I mean, he, I'll obviously, he'll be home by the time you hear this. <laughs> I'm getting texted you right now. I'm very interested but, to hear what you have to say. But, but yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, like li- living in a different country for, for a while. Are, are there some things, like what was the feeling the first time you got there? Was there a culture shock? Did you get into soccer? What, what were some of the activities you partook so, in? This is something that's actually like really funny how that turns out so um that just texted me mm-hmm. so she and i actually started dating a month before i went abroad so i oh, really? went home for winter break that year yeah in december and we started dating we've known each other since high school yeah and then i went to spain in january in early january oh yeah and we dated long distance between madrid and austin for about five months i want to say okay and so um Oh, went, you guys use Skype or something? Or we, yeah, we use Skype. Calls. We use them. Um, there's uh, something called Viber, which is a lot like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I know Viber. And yeah. so we used Viber a lot whenever I was there. Oh, but yeah. um, basically, um, whenever I went abroad, I had already been planning to go abroad before we started to date, and we kind of had this understanding of I'm going to protect our relationship, protect our relationship, and it's going to be fine. But I'm still going to go I love that term, anymore. by the way. We're going to protect our relationship. And more people should. And that's the thing is that it's, not, like that. it's not protecting the – Thing of like people are out there to get you, but you gotta have, like I said, boundaries. Mm. You gotta have boundaries that are healthy for yourself, and you gotta know the boundaries of the people around you. Got it. But um, and respect them. But um, basically, uh, so we knew that I was gonna be like traveling around a lot, and I like went there and really enjoyed it and stayed out of trouble because I had a lot of friends who were from the states who went to Spain. And used it basically as an excuse to party a lot. I mean, Spain, for Christ's sake. Well, it also <laughs> certainly helped with the drinking age. And I mean, it, how far was Ibiza from where you were? Decently, like. Oh, okay. But um, you had, um, what's it called? We're um, in Madrid, so. Yeah, Madrid oh, is God. more like center of the country, okay. I'd say, almost. But um, it's not like over by, like, Barcelona. Like, you can get to Barcelona, like, without spending too much time to get there. But it's Got not, it. like, around the corner. It's not their neighbor or anything. Got it. Um, but basically... Um, we like I went to Spain, and then whenever I was in Spain, I totally lost my train of thought. Oh god! Yeah, you're talking about your long distance oh, relationship. Yes. So I went out there, and a lot of friends went there to party. And part of the reason why a lot of kids from America wanted to party there is because the drinking age in the U.S. is 21. In uh, Spain, it is not 21. <laughs> it is right. lower. Got and it. so a lot of people who couldn't drink at home could suddenly drink without almost any limit. 
mm. in a foreign country. That reminds me. I'm sorry to, to cut you no, short again, but that just reminded me of the what was the name of this group uh, that sang the Wanted? I think the British group. I'm glad you came. Oh sometimes. yeah, no, I, the Wanted. Yeah, there was a group member. I think they came from Britain, mm-hmm. and there was a group member who was like 17, and I think the legal drinking age is 18. So I was looking forward to his 18th birthday, but just a few months before he turned 18, the record label moved them to the U.S. because they wanted them to start touring in the U.S. and like promoting in the U.S. And he came to the U.S. and the drinking age became 21. So yeah, that's no way. Oh, I mean, <laughs> couple of history, but that was funny. But for me, I got it like dangled face because I went to Spain when I was 19 mm. and I turned 20 in May. And I like left in like, I went to Spain in January. Mm. So basically, I was not a legal drinking age. Mm. Went to Spain where I could drink legally as much as I wanted to. Mm. And I did within reason. And then came back home and couldn't drink for a year. <laughs> ah, and there we go. <laughs> it was the worst because I pretty much was like, this is what adulthood is going to look like. This was pre Grizzler and pre, uh, what's, what's, what's the other one called? Grizzler and all these online beer places. Oh, um, yeah. No, it was, it was pre all that as yeah. far as I'm aware. But yeah, it was, it was a real bummer to, <laughs> to come home and to have gone to bars by myself for a couple months and hung out with friends there. And I like came home and was like, yeah, I want to call up my friends and go and have a drink with them. I'm like, well, I can't do that. <laughs> so <'cause>, funny. <laughs> they won't serve me here. But um, yeah. But, long distance relationship. Let's go, man. Yeah, Let's long go. distance relationship. Sophia is so, listening, by the way. So yeah, I know. So I mean, if she can keep me honest. Uh, I was gonna say, if I exaggerate anything, she'll uh, she can remind me <laughs> if she sees me next. But uh, we did long distance uh, for four months, and I, in the time I was in Spain, I traveled around a lot of Spain. I also went to Lisbon, Portugal, mm. um, Berlin, Germany, Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, really? Um, Heidelberg, Germany, and Munich. Heidelberg? Why does that sound so familiar? Heidelberg is like a smaller town, and it actually is very much a college town in Germany. Heidelberg. Oh, I was thinking Hindenburg. Hindenburg. That's a bit different. Oh, yeah, the Hindenburg uh, disaster. But what was it called? Um, I had a friend who studied abroad there from St. Louis who was in Heidelberg. Oh, so you guys just went to visit each other in different cities. And, exactly. Oh, that makes and so sense. I, I went and did Berlin, Munich, Frankfurt, then Heidelberg. We saw each other, and then um, we had a couple of days left, so we flew to Ireland and did um, Dublin and Galway, which is on uh, – Dublin's on the east coast, and Galway's on the opposite West Coast. Well, speaking of Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is in a few days. It is. All I right. know. I see you got your green already. I got but... my green today, and it's the only <laughs> green shirt I have, so I am in trouble. <laughs> when Day I'm sorry. So you, you you are tripping through Europe, like just staying a couple of days in each country, experiencing like the culture in different places. Like that must have been a fun five months. It was, and I think honestly, what helps me a lot is whenever I went abroad, I had a lot of people who again went and they partied their butts off, and that's. That is a totally valid way to go it is. explore. I'm not going to say it's not a valid. It sounds awesome. Yeah. But for me, it just wasn't a thing. And also when I was dating someone long distance, it was like, that's just kind of asking for trouble mm. to be lonely and far apart and be really just like smacking my judgment down. Like I should try to keep myself reasonable. I also had a lot of friends who went and did stuff like um, Amsterdam and almost entirely so they could go smoke pot. And like, mm. again, smoking pot, totally fine for people to go do and whatever. Yeah, it is legal in Colorado. But it is legal in Colorado. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where it was like, 
but you're you're abroad and have a chance to go travel relatively inexpensively between European countries right now. And you can hit a bunch of them while you're over here. Yeah. And I just wanted to actually have more of a taste of like the culture and the people and to actually see what's around me instead of just having it basically be my party away from home. Yeah. So I actually did a lot of intermingling with the Spanish people in Madrid, a lot of people who like lived there and who were super nice and welcoming. And so it really, I think, I'm still really glad to take advantage of all that. I had a lot of good friends from other foreign countries who were on the same campus I was. Like, yeah. I had a good friend named uh, Jonas, who is a uh, Swiss, and Jonas was great. And uh, I remember that uh, he was one of those really fun friends who, like, urges you to push your boundaries sometimes to the point where you probably shouldn't, where it was stuff like there was a, uh, an upstairs um, part of our building in Madrid where it was, like, it was on the rooftop. Yeah. And on the bottom was the cafeteria, and you weren't supposed to bring food to the rooftop from the cafeteria. Okay. You could see the whole mountains in Spain. It was gorgeous. You had this beautiful view. And I remember that I met Jonas like week two of being there. And Jonas is like, well, come with me. Like, come with me. And we're on the elevator. We're going, I'm seeing the sign. It's like, no food on the bed. I was like, Jonas, he's like, ah, they don't care. And we get up there, and we put our tray down, we start eating. And this, like, super sweet, like, lady who was, like, like a kind of housekeeping person came around and was like, hey, you're not supposed to be up here. And you're just like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Someone someone told us that we could, and we just we don't want to get in your way. And we, he, was, he was so gracious. And he, frankly, amazing job kissing her ass. <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, no, you're so sweet. Oh, no, just, you know. And he's like, yeah, we'll clean up after. So she's like, oh, okay. And we ate up there. I think every single week for the rest of my time there for several months. Right. That doesn't sound too bad anyway. And it's it's so important to experience like to have experiences like that when you're nineteen. Like you were young. So that forms like that's not your formative years, but that's like affects how you see the world and things. So it's it's as against, you know, growing up in one state or one country and just having like a um you know, one sided perspective towards life and things like that. But that's interesting. Um you were dating your girlfriend when you were 19, you are 24. Now, you guys have been dating for, what, five years? Five years, yeah. Damn. <laughs> five years gone. Damn, what's the longest relationship I've had? Like, 11 months, a year, maybe? <laughs> I, I would say that definitely, I will I will say, I know a lot of people like, I want to have that long-term relationship. We that, do, we that do. That serious relationship, that person I can count on. And it's really amazing, and I still recommend those things. Mm-hmm. But, like... You don't get to five years without really working your at heart it. Soul into it. I mean, but it is oh, hey, man, you just said something like you said you you guys agreed you were going to protect the relationship. You agreed, she agreed. Like the trick is when one person sees it one way and the other person doesn't give a damn, or the other person doesn't see. I, you know, really see it the way you see it. I mean, yeah. Or maybe you guys weren't just, like, made for each other in that sense. So, Well, and, like, and that's the thing is that even in our five-year, like, relationship, like, there's points where, like, we had to clarify communication because if you don't keep checking in, especially at the points where you're, like, 19-something years old and you're growing, like, the way that your world changes in so that So communication that is key. But also it's more than the fact that, when, especially when you're younger – so much changes so fast, mm. so fast. And that's why communication is especially important is because you want to make sure that you're consistently on the same page. You don't have to do it every day. I mean, everyone knows that communication is key, but how do you communicate? Like, you have to know how to communicate, right? So how, how do you guys figure it out in your relationship? Maybe, like, you guys were just, like, got each other, like, immediately. But some people, like, so I've dated someone before where... When she was upset, she 
like the way she got over things were like, oh, she she gets upset, she goes into a shell, she you know, and you know, comes back like a day or two later, and she's fine, and we can right. go on. But I'm the kind of person sometimes where I have to like address and just to make sure that, especially to make sure that it doesn't happen again. What what are the lessons I sound right. like a teacher? But you know, let's talk through it. Well, that's, you know, that's that kind of thing. Is that- I think that I totally understand why people have shells around that sort of thing. I mean, I used to have that problem before I started dating my current girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Totally had that issue for a while. Mm-hmm. But um, it's one of those things where the shell is nice because it helps you to take to distance yourself from like the heated emotions of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I say that like for me, I would say I lean probably more towards how you talk about how you handle things. Like that's how we are. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely with the caveat that if things start to get heated yeah, or you course. realize that you've accidentally No, there's a time and place for the shell like well, well, you, and frankly if you if you step into um let's say like a topic that was maybe more emotionally charged than you thought it was initially mm. and kind of being like all right well like we're still going to talk about this mm. this is not the last time we're going to talk about this mm. but i understand that continuing to press at this moment is only going to make things worse not better Wow, so, yeah. you really think maturely for 24. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. But yeah, kudos to you guys, man. Uh, that's uh, wish you guys, uh, you know, all the best. And hey, yeah. podcast. <laughs> this yeah. is being recorded and put out there. I was going to say, yeah. So yeah. kids, in case you're listening to this in 2029 or something. <laughs> <laughs> 2029. And then you're going to be here and you're going to be like, oh, man, I'm glad this guy didn't come back on again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, that's uh, it's been pretty interesting getting to know you, uh, getting to hear about some of your trips, uh, getting to hear about um, some aspects of your life. Um, you were texting me one time about talking about family ancestry with your dad. Yeah. Did you ever get through that, like knowing where you come from? Did you do the ancestry test, so or my, you just talked about your family tree, that kind of thing? My dad has done a lot of that, and he didn't just do like ancestry tests because, like, you can do those tests, but you can also do. The ancestry stuff where it's just like kind of going back to like records that your family keeps. Mm. And so we had stuff where basically, so there's my mom's side. It is most, I'd say, I think German, I would say, is a lot of what my mom's side comes from. Mm-hmm. And then my dad's side is this whole mess of, I think it's Polish and French and English, maybe. No, okay. And so, but um, we definitely, I think one one of my dad's, branches is like 100 percent english i'm pretty sure at a certain point got it um but uh basically um so we're just like a big old buffet of different kinds of white people from europe <laughs> so, <laughs> but we've been in the u.s a long time like i think that the uh, my dad's side moved to the u.s i want to say like 1818 Wow, and he had records dating all the way back to 1818? And this was even before computers. Well, because like we tracked it back far enough that we found like just like birth records and like death records and things like mm. that and like lineages. And so there might be like holes and stuff and things that are off. But from what we know, mm. that's about how far back we were from my dad's side coming to the U.S. It's just, it's funny to think of like um, just how much things can change in only a couple generations. Because so my dad's grandfather, it was Ira, and Ira worked on the um, the Rock Island Railroad, okay. which is a railroad that used to be in the U.S. that has been, I say used to, it's been liquidated and no longer is a thing oh, anymore. Yeah. And the Rock Island Railroad, um, he, like, worked on it as, like, a person, I think he just, like, um, 
was he like a timekeeper because he had like a pocket watch that had it engraved onto the back of it that he like carried with him and checked and everything and um then we get to like my grandfather on the dead side is cattle trader great-grandfather ira was in um iowa i believe so on a railroad in iowa cattle trader in texas texas Surgeon in Austin. <laughs> yeah, that's and good. Then so you have to be president the, then. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, and then my mom's side, like, my mom is a self-proclaimed military brat in mm. the sense that she, like, my grandfather on my mom's side uh, flew helicopters. Oh, my dad flew helicopters. Yeah. yeah. So he basically um, was in the Air Force, and they moved all the time when he was still in the Air Force. So my mom was, like, I think did not have, like, a home-home that was like a place that yeah. she was firmly rooted yep. to. I can, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, almost like the same story. Like, we moved around a lot. And uh, my dad flew, flew uh, the Hercules uh, C-130 helicopters. Uh, he specialized in that. I can remember, you know, the days before Google Maps, where he would just bring these giant maps, like, and spread it all over the dining room table and, like, be plotting, like, his route or something for the next day, like, the helicopters kind of thing. And, you know... But yeah, uh, well, some stuff I, I, he didn't tell me about, obviously, because it's military, yeah. but still. Yeah, but it's like one of those things where just thinking about how much things can change. And also, I guess, like how sometimes how precarious circumstances can be. Because mm. I think of like my, just, just my parents. I didn't go that far back. My own parents. Mm. My dad was from small town Texas. Mm. My mom went all over the country. The likelihood that they both ended up at the same college in the same city yeah. and met each other and then fell in love and had kids and everything, mm. that could have easily not happened. All it would have taken is one or two little pieces to have been different, and I could never have existed, nor any of my siblings. And yeah. that's just crazy to me. And then, man, they turn out okay. Maybe you guys would have been in different families. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe your sister would have had the sister she wanted. Or yeah, something. I was gonna say that's the only chance you're getting, Rachel. <laughs> so, so, that's funny. You know, be be happy that in some reality you have a sister. <laughs> now you're just making fun of her. Where is she? She back in Texas and Austin? Oh no! So that's the other thing is that even just in my my fan generation of the family, yeah, we have already spread out. So uh, my sister went to South Carolina for college and then now lives with her husband um, in Richmond, Virginia. Virginia. Mm -hmm. Mm. My uh, middle brother, he is currently in Virginia for college. He's in Charlottesville at University of Virginia. Oh, yeah. And then my youngest brother. For college? Interesting place. uh, And I think he's probably not staying around there. I think he's planning on going somewhere else after that, too. Yeah. And my youngest brother is almost certainly not staying in Austin, either. So we're going to be... Does he go to UVA? Yeah, your brother? Um, the middle brother does. The youngest brother is looking at schools now, but he's looking everywhere. He's looking in the Midwest. He's looking in Colorado. He's nice. looking, I think, over kind of by, um, I'm trying to think of some of the places he looked at. He's just everywhere. He has, Got like, it. scattered himself across the U.S. as far as, like, all the schools he's been right. looking at. So, but, yeah. Oh yeah, man! Thanks for coming on, man. It's it's uh, pretty interesting getting to talk to you, getting to know you. We should probably do this again. Maybe we can have like a drinking session in your apartment. I can bring my podcast equipment and we can I'd just say, talk I'd, shit. I'd be happy because I have a, <laughs> I have a growler, which again for any the uninitiated, a growler is a big old sixty four ounce can be sixty four ounce a uh, glass bottle that you can use to get beer straight from the draft and bring oh, home with you. So for the uninitiated, obviously. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> also for those who pretend that they're uninitiated. Got it. So, got it. Tell, talking to you, college kids. <laughs> so, 
basically, um, yeah, no, we got to do it again sometime. I got to finish half the stories that I keep leaving off. Oh. Away. So, yeah. yeah, totally. Like, uh, you know, we get to see each other every other week. So, yeah, we definitely, maybe we can do something for St. Patty's Day or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, at the end of the podcast, I like to, like, give my guests a couple of minutes to kind of you know, talk about something they think they missed or put something out into the world or, you know, shout out someone uh, they really want to shout out on the podcast or document something they want to tell their future self or ask me questions about where I'm from or whatever you want to do. You kind of like have a couple of minutes to just do that. Jack, be better at storytelling next time. <laughs> you come back to Jack, you're fine. <laughs> next time, explain Reese's Pieces. Ideally, in less than a minute. <laughs> Jack, Jack, you're fine, man. You're fine. You're doing okay. I mean, he's preparing you for your political career. You know, oh, yeah. you can be on the stage and you know give that campaign speech for like forty minutes, and you'd be like, "Should I go on?" I, yeah, I have to do it for the Jack that came before me. <laughs> <laughs> then you share like Jack, Jack, you Jack Daniels on on your um. Oh no, Jack Daniels is produced in uh, Nashville, not, <laughs> not not in Austin. But I would have said that would have been uh, a good if, campaign. If we were doing Austin alcohol, I'd have to go with uh, Tito's vodka is from Austin. Tito's? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, well, then that means you're missing out. Maybe that's okay. what we'll have next time that okay. we're doing the podcast. So. Yeah, sure. We'll yeah. Do it. Throw a Moscow mule together. Oh, Moscow never again. <laughs> <laughs> a Moscow mule. But yeah, that, that's a tricky one. But yeah, we can do this. We can do it. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, reach out to you. You want to drop your contact details, social media, oh, house yeah. address, <laughs> social that. security let me, number. <laughs> let me dox myself now that I have the opportunity. No, I was going to say, mostly, even if I told you all, I'm not on social media much anyway. The page is mostly just there to take up space. <laughs> it's Got also it. so that my employers don't think I'm a crazy person. You're doing the right thing. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, follow Culture Class Podcast everywhere. It's Culture Class Podcast on all platforms. Uh, Culture Class Pod on Twitter. Uh, send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. If you really, really want to reach out to that jack if you're currently listening to this from spain do we have spanish people in our audience maybe just a few i don't know if you're listening to this from spain you want jack to give you tips on how to travel around europe whatever uh you can send an email to us we'll put you in touch with jack and, and frankly also if you're spanish and i have in any way misrepresented you feel free to also fully shit on me <laughs> 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 Not doing you justice. Got it. all right guys till next time take care